The more we can be aware of ourselves and not lie on those. So many people I see go to take a personality profile and they want to be the lion or they want to be the certain personality profile that they've been told is the perfect real estate agent in this case or whatever. So they lie. There's no purpose to that. You can't grow if you're not willing to be honest with yourself. Self-awareness comes from being honest with yourself. When I wrote the book, obviously write the whole thing, then you go back and you edit and you do all that. And one of the things I said to the guy who was editing with me, I said, look, one word I don't use is try. And I said, and if you catch it in the book, I need to know. Do or do not. Right, it, it should not be in the book. There should never be the word try in the book. And I think it gets mentioned like three times in the book and that's only because it's not my stories. Like it's the stories of the people I'm sharing. I refuse to edit their words. So if they wanted to say try, they could say try. I made sure that that word did not show up anywhere in the book. Yet that doesn't mean sometimes I don't sit there and I say something like, well, I'm gonna go try this. And my wife will without a beat say, what, you're gonna do what? Hello and welcome to The Agent Podcast with your host, that's me, Raymond Shulseth. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Agent Podcast. Today I'm here with my buddy, Chad. Chad, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ray. Good to uh, be here and get the pleasure to join you and connect with your audience. It's always a privilege, man. Thank you. So normally I ask why real estate, but in your case, you have a real estate background, but you've recently published a book. Can we get into that and talk about how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. We can start however far back you want to go and take it to all the way up till today and what's coming next. Yeah, let's start with where you started in real estate and then we'll fast forward to where you what you got going on today. Sure. So uh, I started in real estate back in 2000. I was in Las Vegas. I uh, had the pleasure of becoming a buyer's agent. I was the rookie of the year for the Southwest region, worked with an amazing team, the McKenna team. Before the boom really began, I got my, my opportunity to sink my feet into what real estate could all be about. Had the pleasure of going from buyer's agent to buyer manager. The boom started to happen, of course. And Las Vegas was one of those cities that really went nuts, as people might remember. Yep. Uh, things got crazy. Things got out of hand. It was it was just a madhouse to be able to find properties, kind of what real estate agents are dealing with today. Again, going through that whole thing. I moved to a different team. I went to work with the Brinkus team. They said to me one day, they said, Chad, you have the personality of a listing agent, not a buyer's agent. I then went on a streak 18 months of listing 25 to 45 homes every month for 18 straight months before I became an office manager, team leader opportunity. I got to do that in Las Vegas, started helping people that way. I moved to Bellingham, Washington, uh, when we were chatting before, you mentioned my friend Ben Kinney. He brought me up here. I had the pleasure of watching his world start to explode and expand. Uh, I became a, a team leader for him, a general manager, as he took on multiple offices to uh, to run. I got the opportunity to travel the country, teach, train real estate agents on how to use technology. We built a program called IMSD. It was the Internet Marketing Specialist designation. We really got to share everybody how to like create and use the internet at a high level as it was really becoming a piece of the real estate puzzle. We actually got the, a cease and desist from Craigslist. We're the reason it's not as easy to post the things you used to post for realtors who've been around because we taught everybody all the games to play on Craigslist. Uh, then I moved to the Southeast region of the country, 
Uh, got the pleasure of being a uh, growth and productivity director for the whole Southeast region. We we grew. We have over 10,000 agents, uh, now over 13 or 14,000 when I left. And then I went back into coaching. I went back into one-on-one. I wanted the opportunity to independently connect with people. My wife and I moved back to the Bellingham area because we love that area so much. COVID struck and Ray, I got locked in my house. Uh, all I was doing was coaching. And finally... Uh, the perfect storm hit that said, it's time to put this down on paper. And my real estate experience led me to finally writing this book, which is not for real estate agents yet. Boy, real estate agents will learn from it. It is for anybody who wants to grow and get to the next level in their lives. Chad, give us the premise of the book and then I'll unpack some of what we just covered. Okay, sure. So the premise of the book, it's called Achieve Your Apex. That's the the title of the book. I'll tell you the little Uh, For years, I've said I should write a book. For years, people have told me you should write a book. You know, being a coach, having the successes and mainly the failures. You can't have successes if there aren't failures. So don't think that I haven't had more than many of our audience members, fair share of them. Happy to go into all of those. When we moved back here, Ren, if, if you could look out my window and you could see the view I can see, I can actually see the mountains in Canada uh, from out my window here. So I stare at mountains every day. And they fascinate me and they're beautiful and they're gorgeous. And probably every day or every other day, I get a handful of bald eagles flying around the house as well that live up in this area. And they are just magnificent creatures that captivated me. And one day I was just sitting here and I was looking at the mountains and I was looking at the bald eagles and it all just clicked. I had an apex predator flying in front of an apex of the mountain. And it just clicked that I finally got the concept of what's going to carry this book and give me that thread to write. Because I always had the ideas. I just never had the thread to take it from beginning to end. So what we do is we take lessons learned from apex predators, sharks, crocodiles, um, the eagle, for example. And then we take lessons of climbing a mountain and reaching a summit of the mountain. And then we use the different skills and tactics and lessons that I have to bring together to show how all of that combines. And in this book, There are 20 chapters that are self-help, self-growth that are going to give you lessons. I bust a lot of myths that I don't necessarily believe in, like affirmations. We can talk about that one. I think that they're a whole bunch of hooey, uh, and that's me being polite as I'm saying it here. And then I also went out and not only told my stories and shared my lessons, I interviewed lots of people that I was connected with, or I had admired from afar or whatever it was. And I gathered their stories and every chapter, I found one story that kind of matched the lesson we were looking to share. So we've got lessons from, from people in multiple industries and all over the country that are sharing experiences that they've had with our reader to really cement the point of, of whatever lesson that chapter is covering. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. So let's go back to the beginning Uh, Something that you said that I thought was interesting, um, especially paired with this book of self-awareness and work and, you know, achieving what you're setting out to do. How do you know if you're a buyer's agent or a (laughs) listing agent, right? Like, I think that's something people struggle with self-awareness as it is. Yes. Like, we are not taught that growing up. And I, it's been my experience that the more adversity somebody has had and or the more failures or the more obstacles they have had, the more self-aware they are. Like Mm -hmm. they have to do that work to move past whatever the situation is to get to that next point. So if I'm a new agent or a seasoned agent and I'm struggling, whatever, 
how do I know if maybe I'm in the wrong place? You know, maybe I should be a buyer's agent and shouldn't be a listing agent or vice versa. So can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. And uh, over my shoulder, there's one of the many bookcases that fill my office here. Uh, and on the bottom of that bookcase, there is a binder that I can grab at any moment that I want to. And it is filled with personality profile assessments of myself. So I believe some of us play the game a little too often with these things, yet I believe every personality profile is worth taking from DISC to strength finders to, to any of them that are out there, because there's always lessons to learn in there. And we will be able to find our experiences and we'll be able to say, that's why I failed right there. Or, oh, this is the thing that did let me achieve whatever it was that I was after, Ray. So the more we can be aware of ourselves and not lie on those. So many people I see go to take a personality profile and they want to be the lion or they want <laughs> to be the certain personality profile that they've been told is the perfect real estate agent in this case or whatever. So they lie. There's no purpose to that. You can't grow if you're not willing to be honest with yourself. Self-awareness comes from being honest with yourself, right? So if you're not going to be honest, it doesn't matter. If you're not going to look back and say, what happened there? Where are my fingerprints on it instead of who can I blame for this? Right Now you'll be able to look at it and start saying, aha, I can see where I was too pushy or I can see where I was being pushed around too much, whatever that's going to be by being able to know who you are. And then you start to find the right profile that says, this is what I should be doing. And to me, I'm a high D, high I for the disc profile. I mean, so many people in, in the real estate industry, at least seem to speak that as a second language disc profiles. I don't have the patience for buyers. I want to pull up my Clifton Strengths Assessment. There you go. Right? My top five, because I'm so curious to see what you're going to have to say. I'd have to reach back. I don't memorize those as well. I'd have to reach back and find what my, my strength finder tells me my top five are. Yet I know how to use them. And one of the ones that always, you know, I'm, I don't have the patience. I'm direct. That's who I am. Even my coaching clients know it. I'm not going to be the guy who says, oh, you did a great job. I'm going to say that was a dumb choice, right? How do we work around that now? Uh, and that's what put me in a position of working with listings much more than buyers mm. because listings were a one-off. You went in, you met with them, you earned the listing. And then thankfully I was on a team who did the administrative. I didn't worry about any of that. Whereas buyers, it was day after day after day after day and having the patience with them. And it's not, I couldn't close them. It's I didn't want to go out on a fourth showing to go look at three more houses with them on the market at the time. I wasn't in my natural comfort and strength zones. Interesting. On my Clifton What'd you find? What came up as your- uh, Yeah, final? so my number one is Relator. Sure. My number two is Focus. My number three is Futuristic. My number four is Developer. And my number five is Activator. There you go. Um, so I don't know, it's interesting. Like for me, going through this, I learned a lot about myself. Yep. You know? And then the next step is to actually take the time and do the work and figure out how to translate what that means and, you know, use analogies or situations that you've been in to exactly what you had said earlier about like, oh, that's why that didn't work or that's why that failed or that's why this makes me uncomfortable or whatever the scenario may be. Um, but that self-work is hard and requires time and requires repetition, right? To like 
keep doing it and figuring out what makes the most sense for you. I think the thing it requires more than anything is desire, yeah. right? Because so many of us, we want to get better, but we're not willing to put in the work. We don't desire it enough to put in the work to get better. So we'll just say, oh, okay, I'm good enough, right? It's And I talk about it in the book, even that one, Joshua Four, who was an author, uh, one of the phrases he's he's kind of created was the okay plateau, right? And it's, I'm good enough. So why get better at something? I mean, think about all of us back, back when, when I was younger, right? We still had typing in school and stuff that we went to. We type every day. There is nobody in today's society that's not typing every day on emails, on the keyboard, whatever you're doing. Yet how many of us still hunt and peck? Because we're okay with that, right? We've never said I should get better at it, yet it's a skill we could improve. And that's everything. All of our abilities, are you choosing the right skills to focus on and improve? Or are you just saying, hey, I'm okay, so I don't have to fix anything here, like becoming aware of what my strengths are or what my disc profile tells me or what my love languages are so that I'm, I'm pouring into the people that matter the most in the right possible ways. So where did that come from for you? Where self-awareness or the all of, all of this, like the desire, the self-awareness, the the drive, the ambition, the wanting more, wanting to learn more, wanting to know more. Where did that come from you? Is it an innate? Is it organic? Did your parents raise you a certain way? Like where does that come from? I think it's a little bit of everything in my case, right? Mom, mom was a teacher. So she was always teaching. There was always learning going on. Dad was an entrepreneur. So there was always opportunities that, that he was figuring out to create. There was just opportunity always to improve myself. I got to some bad places in my life. Uh, my health got into horrible places. My relationships got into horrible places. My finances got into horrible places. I mean, I, I failed in every different category of life that you could fail at. I didn't want to just do one. I wanted to attempt them all. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was kind of digging back out of that. I found myself in a, a deep, deep pit, right? Uh, and, and I say to people, when you're in a pit and you're digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper, the first thing you've got to do is stop, stop digging, digging, right? It, it's not, how do I get out? It's no, you got to stop digging. So I believe a lot of it came, there was some maybe internal pieces in me, but it was when I finally threw down that shovel in that pit, looked up and saw how deep I had dug myself and said, the only way I'm getting out of here is by working with me because I'm the only one in this pit. So how do I improve myself so that I can end up climbing myself back out of this? And it became a desire to get out of that. I had a daughter who was young and I had obligations to her. So, I mean, it was, we'll never do things for ourselves as much as we'll do them for other people. So I did some of that for her. I did some of that for family. I did some of that for friends to be, and now it's, it's just continued in that way that, I got to get better and better and better every day because I know there are people watching me, even if I don't see them watching me. Like I know I get on that Peloton bike and I ride and someone is looking to see where I placed on the leaderboard because yeah. they know me and they just want to chase me. I know there are people that I will just post something on Facebook because I know they're watching. Right. So it just forces me to want to get better and better and better because I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for others. I'm doing it to be the best husband I can be to my wife. I'm doing it to be the best dad I can be to my daughter. There's never an end to that fuel in that tank. 
because it's not just me saying I'm good enough. I can stop. So I know for me, from my personal experiences that I've been in that situation where I've dug myself in a hole and I finally realized that I do have to stop digging. Right. And then I asked myself this question is like, what do I do when I don't know what to do? You know, and okay, I realized I should stop digging, but then what next, right? How do I start filling up that hole so I can climb back out of it and eventually get to a level playing field and then focus forward on what I'm doing? What's yep. been your experience with that? Uh, it's going to other people that I trust. It's going to materials that I trust. And really it was discovering a lot of those profiles we were talking about because then I got to just figure out, okay, I got into this hole because I'm short and direct. So I pissed off a lot of people. Okay, how can I use my short and directness in a positive way that allows it to actually help people instead of make people annoyed that, you know, Chad's just being a jerk, right? You know, so, and it was, it, then it started to help me or, oh, my strengths were this. I'm an activator. Okay. How do I start to use that strength in my strength finders to move up? How do I stop doing things? How do I stop doing those things I'm not good at? I'm not an organized person. If I started moving my computer around right now that you were saying, you'd see piles of stuff just outside of the shot, right? Because I'm not organized. So stop attempting to become organized because that's the stuff that got me into a hole because I would focus on, no, I embrace my chaos because it's a controlled chaos for me. And it allowed me to start climbing back up and coming to that even ground, as you put it. So let's jump to the book a little okay. bit. And where do you start in the book, right? If someone picks up this book, what is the first thing that they're going to experience? Uh, a thanks to my my amazing wife and thanks to my mother and the people around me, right? The first thing you'll experience, honestly, is the, is the acknowledgement right, right at the beginning and it's gratitude. Uh, as I worked with a friend of mine, who's an author, you know, he said to me, yeah, we dedicate, you dedicate the book. So who are you going to dedicate it to? And that was my wife for sure. And he said, and then there's the acknowledgements. And I said, no, I'm calling it gratitudes, right? He said, okay, it's your book, call it what you want to call it. And that's what's right at the beginning of my book are gratitudes to the people who helped me get where I am today and who shared to help make this happen. So in that regard, that's literally where the book starts. It starts with gratitude. Uh, where does the book start in purpose of helping us? It starts with our environment. That's the first chapter that we dive into is your environment because your environment is so important in so many ways. And you don't even realize how many different environments you probably experience in a single day. So that's a perfect segue because that's part of what I was going to ask you, right? There is the environment in which you live, your household, your, yes. your kids, your family, whatever that dynamic. There's your mental environment. Yep. what's inside your head going on in your mind. And then there's your emotional environment, which obviously is you know part of your mind and heart and spirit. Where do you start with that? You know, if, if something's in disarray or if something needs a rework or a redesign or you need to begin again, right? Like for me, one of the things that I've really realized over like the last three, four years that I got from meditation was giving myself permission to begin again or start over and that, that that's okay. And I've had a lot of failed companies, a handful of successes, a few exits, and I'm grateful for it. But like you said, it's all failure, right? Like working through that failure is what's allowed me to succeed. It's what has allowed me to become who I am. 
So giving yourself permission, picking up this book, diving into chapter one, let's talk about your environment. What does that mean? Where do you start? Literally, it means the space you're in. Right. Uh, and it, yeah, mental, all the other things that come along with it. Yet, what's your perfect space? Right. How many people, their bedroom is also where their desk is because they work in their bedroom or their bedrooms where their Peloton is because they work out. And how are you making these spaces unique so that when you walk into them, your mind immediately is optimized for the results that you're looking to achieve from it? When I go into a gym, my home gym, I have my gym equipment. I have my motivational posters on the wall. I have things in there that don't make me think about, oh, I didn't do this for work yet. They don't make me think about, oh, I want a snack because there's a refrigerator in there. They, they ideally say you're going to go in here. You're going to work out. When I go into the room that's going to be where I sleep, there isn't anything else there. There's the bed, right? There's obviously furniture and stuff like that that goes with it, but it's there as a place so that when I lay down, I go to sleep. Right When I go into my office, how is my office set up so that I'm motivated by the things that are literally around me? Look, you can see over my shoulder, there's a window, right? You can see it here. When I'm on the call with you, I'm not looking out the window <laughs> right. because I told you the eagle would distract me. And partway <laughs> through the podcast, I'd be like, oh, look at that. Look, birdie, right? <laughs> and I'd be paid, right? And when I'm on the call with my clients, when I'm coaching, I'm not facing the window. Now, when I need to be creative over my shoulder, there's a chair you can't see here. I have a sitting chair. And from that chair, I've got a beautiful view out my window. That's where I'll sit when I'm reading. When I need to let my brain go, that environment within my office says, this is where you do this. This is where you do that, right? We get into our car. How many times when you get a new car, you're like, oh, I don't like where the, you know, the button is or the radio is or the yeah. air. Okay. Even that's an environment that we're in every single day almost every day that we're in our car, we're in our neighborhood, right? And who are we allowing into our environment, which of course becomes a powerful conversation. Jim Rohn's famous quote of, right? You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I talk about a story in my life that happened when I was in grade 10 about that with my dad. And it totally changed my life by figuring out. And I didn't know at the time I was in grade 10. My dad was dumb, right? That's what we all think when we're younger and we're teenagers like that. Our parents don't know anything. It's only now that in reflection, I can look back and go, oh my gosh, I don't know if dad had just read something. I don't know if dad had any idea he was really teaching me this, but it was the environment that I was spending my time in and the people I was allowing into my environment. Ray, if, if I were going to do a restart today, I would sit down somewhere that I just felt comfortable and I would design the perfect environment for me. What does it look like? Step one. That's it. Design it and say, okay, when I want to go to bed, what is the perfect environment for me to sleep in? I like an open window, so it's cold. Okay, so I need to be in a room that has windows that I can open, right? I like it to be quiet. Okay, I need to, I like, okay. My office, I like to have this. My, my wife inspires me. So what's going to be the picture on the background of my computer screen, right? Or what's going to be the photo that sits beside the phone so that I'm motivated to pick it up because I know who it is that I'm making the calls for. Design your environment from square one. A fish does not live in the forest and an eagle does not live in the water, right? They know their environments and that's where they thrive and that's where they stay. 
So how many years did it take you to figure that out? Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not to throw anybody under the bus, but you know, like obviously if you wrote about it and that's step one, that's super impactful. And yes, you obviously put a lot of thought and experience and failure and forethought into the book. So yeah, it, environment to be step one, it's a huge impact, right? I, I would say, honestly, I'm, I'm 50 years old. So I would say it took me 50 years, right? I mean, but I mean, okay, 48, maybe when I started writing the book right. and really getting working on it, because my whole life I was living it. And it was, I don't know when it was, okay, I can tell you a, not a major idea of when it was. 2006, maybe seven, I'd, I'd have to go do the exact math and maybe five, but somewhere in that area, I worked from home. I was an agent. This is when I was a, a successful agent. I worked at home. I would take my daughter to school in the morning and I would turn around and go back to the house. I was a single dad at this time. And I had a home office, my home office had a treadmill in it because I was also training for a marathon, which is another story. And because of the floor plan, it was an open floor plan. So I could see the family room very clearly. And I had a very large TV. So I would come home from work or come home from dropping off my daughter. I'd get a run in on the treadmill. I'd go take my quick shower. I'd put on ESPN sports center I'd leave Sports Center on and I'd go back into the office to work. Now, at that time, they literally repeated Sports Center. Like it was the same hour broadcast, not like now where they redo it, yet maybe they say something a little different or there's a, it was literally just the same, re air it. Okay. I would watch it again and again and again, like it was different. And I never did the work I needed to do. And then one day, I don't know why. I dropped my daughter off. I I got up earlier. I did my run. I dropped my daughter off and I kept going to the office and I went into the bullpen in the office, not a private office, closed door, locked myself in. I went into the bullpen in the office and I sat down at a desk and I made my calls. And every day after that, I went into the office and I went into the bullpen, the busiest place I could go. And I made my calls to a point that people would say that's Chad's desk, right? It was the bullpen. People would say, Chad will be here any minute. He's sitting there. Don't sit in his desk. And it was the environment of surrounding myself with other people who I knew were watching me, right? I knew they were listening to what I was saying. So I had to be on the top of my game. I had to lead by example as to what I was doing. My business skyrocketed because I got out of working from home because the environment for me was right in the middle of it because I knew I had to perform. That was probably when it really clicked that said, where you are really matters. And then it's probably taken me another 10, 15 years to kind of fine tune it and learn a little bit more about it. What was the delay between you starting this and your business taking off? Three months, six months, nine months? Between starting making my calls back then? Yeah, like when you jumped into the bullpen, started pounding the phones, and then you're like, you know, holy crap, like 90 days, changing. right? It, it, it's the typical 90 day results calls that I make today show up as results in 90 days and then become closings in 90 days after that. So I started to see the business completely transform in six months. Yeah. Within six months to closings. I mean, three months to openings, six months to closing. So if I read this book today and mm-hmm. I implement everything you teach in it, am I going to see results in six months? 
If you implement everything I teach in this book, you're going to see results a lot quicker than six months because just the fact that you implement everything. If you implement one thing, you'll start to see results in six months. What's most feasible for somebody who reads the book to implement one thing or to pick a handful of things? And always one, always one thing. I don't care what book you're reading. I don't care whose book you're reading. I don't care any book that's out there. One thing, go back and reread the book and find another thing if you want, right? Go, I don't know how many books I have not finished reading because I implement, I stopped. I said, that's it. I'm putting the book aside. I'm going and implementing that thing right now. Now I might go back and pick up whatever that book is and read on and, and get something else or reaffirm myself on it. Yet the idea is not to go through a book and come out of it 20 chapters. Okay, there's 20 chapters. The idea is not to come out of this book with, okay, here are the 20 things I'm going to massively do differently and completely ultimately change myself because you never will. Yeah. Figure out one of the things you're going to do and say, okay, I really like Chad's take on how to build my calendar properly. All right, I'm going to focus on that for a while. Oh, I really like Chad's take on this affirmation thing, or I really like his how to evaluate the people around me thing to make sure I'm surrounding myself with the right wolf pack, right? Whatever that's going to be, great, do it. Then come back to the book and say, okay, I like what he said once. Let me see what he says this time, even though it's the exact same book, you'll now grab something different. Do not attempt any book. I, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Probably my one go-to book. I read it every year. I recommend people say to me, recommend a book. That's the first book that probably usually comes to my mind. Great. But don't read it just to now go take all seven habits and attempt to change your world. Right. Say, which one of these habits do you think matters to you at this point? Go implement it. You can always go back. The book will still be there. I love it. I love it. Sorry. So, I get passionate about certain things. And that's I one people, it, who, people who go to training classes and come out with, with pages of notes and do nothing. Be the person who wrote one thing and does something. You'll be way better off. Yeah. I forgot. It may have been I, I, Jim Rohn or Tony Robbins. One of them was talking about how they, they went to a seminar and they met somebody and that somebody later they saw sitting outside the seminar and uh, they were talking about how, you know, why, why aren't you in there listening? And he's like, well, I give myself a goal to get one thing from any seminar that I come and then I'm done. And I go yeah. and I work on that one thing. And that was like the moral of the story, right? Is just wherever you go, whatever you do, it doesn't matter how long you're there. If you get one thing and you identify with that one thing or, it, you know, hits the, the spot or sparks a fire, whatever it is, like focus on that and just go and do that one thing. Yes. A hundred percent guarantee. I agree with that. And I guarantee that's, what's going to bring you results quicker than walking out with 20 pages of notes and not knowing where to start or what to do or thinking you'll do all of it. You'll do none of it six months later when you're at the next convention. Okay. So going back to real estate, what would you tell a overwhelmed real estate agent, new seasoned, doesn't matter. What would you say to that person on how to begin again? <sighs> Figure out where you're overwhelmed, first of all, right? That that would lead my, my coaching conversation with that person. What is it that has you overwhelmed? Is it too much business? Is it you, you hate paperwork and, and that's got you overwhelmed? Is it, right? Is it just this market at the moment? Whatever it is, it's first of all, stop, stop digging. What's got you overwhelmed? Figure that out. So now you can start to fill in that hole 
and rise back up to even ground and be able to say, okay, I'm not overwhelmed anymore. Right. Other than the, the whole mental thing of stop telling yourself you're overwhelmed. Cause when you tell yourself overwhelmed, you're reinforcing that you're overwhelmed. Tell people you're excited for the opportunities that you have that keep you busy. Right. So of course, mindset and word changing yet truly just to get down to the heart of the matter of it. What's got you overwhelmed? Is it a strength? Is it a weakness? How should you be addressing it? How should you be handling it so that you can move forward in the right, in the right way? You want to start all over? How do you remove what's got you overwhelmed from your future path? How do you talk to yourself, right? And I, this is a two-part question for me. How okay. do you talk to yourself now? And how did that transform over the last 20 years? <laughs> Uh, I probably talk to myself the way a lot of people talk to themselves, which is I beat myself up over a lot of things. I have done the best thing I've ever done, Ray, and, and she's not here, so I can't just pull her into the camera and say <laughs> the way I talk to myself is I have my wife, right? She is amazing. And I don't know how many times I will catch myself. No, I won't. Let me rephrase it. I don't know how many times she will catch me saying, whoa, 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 right? You're the coach. What would you be telling yourself right now when you just said that, right? And it's having that mirror that's that powerful in your life that you can trust that much and have that much support from that they're willing to look at you and say, well, time out, right? I'm calling BS on that. Or, hey, I'm holding a mirror up to your face and saying, really? That's how you're going to talk. So to answer your question, how do I talk to myself? I'd like to say I talked to myself way better than I ever spoke to myself. When I was in my bad places, obviously, it was just reinforcing negative. I don't even think about how I talk to myself as much. So I, I believe it's positive. I believe I'm giving myself the right words that I need. That every, Yet I don't believe you can just lie to yourself like that. Right? It's not just a bunch of words. That's that affirmation myth I bust. It's I surround myself with people who will hold the mirror up to me and say, well, what are you saying? Right. I, when I wrote the book, obviously write the whole thing, then you go back and you edit and you do all that. And one of the things I said to the guy who was editing with me, I said, look, one word I don't use is try. And I said, and if you catch it in the book, I need to know. Do or do it, not. Right. It, it should not be in the book. There should never be the word try in the book. And I think it gets mentioned like three times in the book. And that's only because it's not my stories. Like it's the stories of the people I'm sharing. I refuse to edit their words. So if they wanted to say try, they could say try. I made sure that that word did not show up anywhere in the book. Yet that doesn't mean sometimes I don't sit there and I say something like, well, I'm going to go try this. And my wife will without a beat say, what? You're going to do what? <laughs> so what would you have just said if your coaching client said to you they were going to try that? Uh, so to answer your question, how do I talk to myself? It's I talk out loud to myself. And I have somebody that's always listening that I know does not fear holding that mirror up when needed. Got real life spell check. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Red squiggly lines don't show up under yeah. some things. I yeah, need somebody. Strike. To, yeah, that's right. I need someone I to be there for me. All right. Let's, um, I want to be conscious of your time. Let's dive into the book some more. I'd love okay. to hear more about the book. And like I said, it's on its way to me. So I'm excited to read it. And I'm definitely excited for the audio version. Yes. Thank you for working on that. Absolutely. Um, but tell me more about the book. Okay. What do you want to know? You want to know where they should get it? You want to know what's in it? What do you want to know about the book? Well, you want to know what's next from it? Okay. You tell me. I want to know how it helps people. And then 
I'm going to ask where people can get it okay. and we'll talk about your coaching. Look, achieve your apex is the title, right? The subtitle is how to maximize your strengths, create predictable results and thrive in every facet of life. That's how it helps you, right? It helps you maximize your strengths. One, I'll go a little deeper on that, okay? I believe we all should know our strengths and we should all know our weaknesses, okay? Now, here's the thing, Ray. Too many people know their strengths and feel good about their strengths. Why? Because people tell you, oh man, you're really good at that. You're really great at that, right? You do a great job hosting this podcast, right? Or you ask great questions already. So you sit back and you say, yeah, I'm good at that, right? Brush off the little shoulder there. You're right. I feel good about that. And then they say, you know what, though? Place is a mess, right? You're disorganized or your scheduling is horrible or whatever it is. And what do we naturally do? We naturally attempt to get better at the things they told us we were bad at. We attempt to get better. Yet here's the thing. Getting better at a weakness only means maybe you'll become average at it. Maybe. Okay. Yet if you took those strengths, your podcast abilities, your question asking abilities, whatever that's going to be, and you went and you even worked on that. Now, all of a sudden you are so good at it. People are paying you for your strengths being that strong. All right. So don't work on your weaknesses, leverage your weaknesses as quickly as you can to someone else. Go grow your strengths, which are those things that sadly we've gotten okay at because we've said, well, I'm just really good at this. Go, go get better at it. Okay. So one, how to maximize your strengths. That's, that's the first part of the subheading, right? Two, create predictable results. I'm a creature of habit. People call me a creature of habit. I take that as a compliment. That is not negative to me. Yeah, I mean, I've known you a very short time and you are a disciplined person. Like I can tell that out of the box. Correct. But nobody truly is disciplined, right? We really, we think we can. The only person I know that's truly disciplined is the person in boot camp in the military. And they're not even choosing to be disciplined. It's someone else telling them, get up now, go do this, go do that. How quickly can you create strong habits? Because the habits are the things. My favorite quote of all time is F.M. Alexander, who said, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. Okay. So if I want to be healthy, I have to have healthy habits. If I want to, I just got invited to dinner. One of my neighbors just invited my wife and I to dinner. I said, what time? She said, 6.30. I said, I can't make it. She said, how come? I said, because my intermittent fasting schedule says I can't eat after six. That was it, right? My habit says I can't eat after six. So it makes the choice for me. No, okay? We have to create habits. And we hear all these things out there of how many days it takes to create a habit, right? It takes 21, it takes 30, it takes 66, however many, it takes two days to create a habit, right? Let me be really clear on that. If I do it today and I do it tomorrow, it's a habit. All those other numbers talk about how quickly it takes to cement it as a habit so that I don't have to think about it anymore, that I just get up and go to the gym. But once I've done it two days in a row, it's a habit. So now the question is, can I keep the habit? Yeah, is it sustainable? That's right. Predictable results come from habitual activities. So we talk about that, of course, in the book and then thrive in every facet of life because I, nobody lives in this little box. Nobody's just an agent, right? 
You're a father. You're a husband. You're an agent. You're a son. You're a neighbor. You're you're all these things. And I don't like that so many people just put us on one thread and say, okay, you're just a this. You're not. Every facet of life matters. I use the acronym life. I break it down. Your love life, your improvement of yourself, your fitness life, and your economic life. And I give you the four areas of your life and tips on how to work in each one so that you can succeed. Because the better you are at one, the better you are at the other. It's like if you took a string and you put an L and I and an F and an E on it and you lift the F, the I and the E also come higher, mm-hmm. right? If you lift the I, the L comes, okay. You lift one area of life, the other areas of life are going to improve. You have to be conscious about those because that means if you fail at one area of life and it's pulling downward, it's pulling everything else down and your business will never be at the level you want it to be at when your fitness is that bad. Now, I'm not saying you got to be peak triathlon ready to go person, right? And if your love life is a disaster, okay, that's going to be pulling down on the other areas of your life as well. So it's all aspects of your life. You want to know what you're going to get from the book. You're going to get lessons that cover all of that from my failures, from failures and successes of other people that are going to help you. And I refuse to talk in generalities. I will give you steps. I'm not going to just say, okay, now go do it because that's the greatest marketing slogan ever and the worst piece of advice ever. Okay. No one just does it. So when I talk about how to build a better calendar to succeed, I'm going to give you the steps on how to build a better calendar. When I talk to you about affirmations and how they're a bunch of hooey, I'm going to give you what you should be doing instead to help yourself. I'm going to lay it out there for you. That's what I do in the book. I bring it direct and I bring it with actions that go along with it. It's what to do and how to do it. Yes. Just theory. Correct. I, 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 I'm not a fan of theory books that just say, okay, it's this way. It's like, okay, so what do I do about it? Right. Yeah, Give me right. something that I can apply. I love it, man. I love it. Thanks for sharing all that. My pleasure. I like your analogy of picking up the, the I or the F and yep. having everything else drop, right? Because it's so true that you could have five things going on in your life and four of them are good and one of them are bad or challenging or whatever. And if you happen to focus on that one bad, it brings everything else down versus yes. if you could move past that and focus on everything that's good, it would elevate that other thing. Yes, absolutely. And and again, I, I, I put them in L-I-F-E because it spells a word, Sure. right? Okay. You can rearrange them and jumble them. You can be I-F-E-L if you want, right? file. Sure, right? It's, just, <laughs> it's not as good in a book as life. So <laughs> yeah. that's the only reason the letters yeah. are in that order. Just remember, they're all tied together so right. that when one improves, the others improve. When one fails, the others fail. And if you have one going up and one going down, all you're going to do is rip your rope. Yep. Right. I love and that. it's going to put that tension in the different areas. And we all have those areas. Even if you're single at this point, you still have a love life because there's still people that matter to you in your heart. Could be your parents. It could be your siblings. It could be nieces, nephews. It could be best friends, whatever it is. Love doesn't have to mean it's got to be my partner. Love is a certain you know meaning to it. And we all have to improve. It's the concept of the shark, the great white shark, the greatest killing machine, right? Can't swim backwards. The greatest killing machine doesn't know how to go in reverse. 
Because if he goes in reverse, he dies. He can only go forward. And what about all those people who aren't going forward anymore? We're not improving ourselves. Okay, then you're dying. Yeah, you're you only out. have that option. We've heard that expression, right? You're either growing or you're dying. Okay, yeah. it's true. And fitness, we only get one body to live in, right? So how healthy are you treating it? Because you only get that one chance. And then economic, we have to make money to live in this world today. And we have to understand the four areas. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so let's dive into your coaching a little bit. Is your coaching or your coaching programs all based on premises of your book? Yes and no. Um, there are certain things that when I do coach real estate agents, because a bunch of my clients are real estate agents, there are tools that I give them that aren't in the book because they just didn't make sense for general public. They're real estate specific on some of them. Uh, there are also some concepts that I'm, I want to say, playing with for book two. So my coaching clients get to be the, the test subjects for it. Uh, yet, yes, I, I walk my coaching clients through the things that are in this book here. Uh, they build their calendars following this system. They use the win one, which is a tool that I think works for everybody that's in the book and talked about. And I, I bring lessons and accountability on that stuff. So the coaching program the book was built from the coaching program because they were the things I was using. And I said, okay, that's working. That's working. That's working. They've got to go in the book. And there's more things coming that just aren't in the next book yet. Love it. So for everybody who's listening, if you could just pay it forward and somebody only takes one thing from this conversation with us, could be something that we already talked about. It could be something brand new. What would that one thing be that you'd really like to pay forward and give? To everybody listening to the conversation. Everybody listening to our conversation. Wow. Uh, that's a good, good, good question. And, and when we say things are good questions, just so everybody out there listens, knows, that's our way of stalling while we're thinking of an answer because it was such a good question. <laughs> like, wow, no one's asked me that one. I don't have a canned answer for that. <sighs> I mean, it's, it's experience, right? Like, that's the whole point of this conversation is yeah. for me... I have the privilege of getting to meet somebody new who's had unbelievable experiences in their life and has had failures and successes yeah. and has, you know, I call it start, stop, reverse, right? Like that's what life is. You start and then you stop and then you got to back, right? And then you do that all over again in these cycles throughout your life, in your love life, in your family life, in your career, your economic life, where it's two steps forward, one step back, right? Like as the common saying goes, but that's the whole point. You're not always stopping because you're failing. Sometimes you're stopping because you realize you need to pivot or you're at a fork in the road and you need to go a different direction. So for me, having these conversations, it's literally one of my favorite, my most favorite thing that I've ever done just because I get to have authentic, real deep dive conversations with, you know, all these incredible people for an hour at a time. So that question is, what would you like to pay forward? It's meant to be deep rooted. You know, if sure. you could just tell somebody one thing, what do you want to tell them? I would tell everybody this, <laughs> this is what I would say to that. Okay. It's all in your control. Okay. That, that's the one thing I would say to everybody. And I'll, I'll go into what I mean by that. There are people out there who truly think that they don't have the control. They don't have the ability to do. 
some of us make wrong choices. We get into wrong industries. There's somebody listening to this right now that should not be in real estate, right? And, and it's your choice, right? If you're sitting there and you're struggling and you're banging your head against the wall and everything you're doing is not working and you're doing what they're telling you you're doing and you're giving it time, right? You can't do something for one day and think it works and you're giving it, there is no magic bullet. Don't think it's going to all of a sudden show up one day for you, Okay. You have the choice. If you want to succeed, get off your ass and do it, right? Maybe you're doing the wrong actions. Okay, it's your choice to say, I should go do this instead. Follow the right path. Follow the right mentors. Follow the right footsteps. Don't attempt to be someone you're not. I don't know how many times I've seen somebody say, oh, I want to be like such and such, yet they're not, I want to be like Michael Jordan. Okay, but I'm 5'10". Right. I can't be like Michael Jordan, no matter how badly I want to be like Michael Jordan. Stop attempting to be like that person because you're never going to be. Be yourself, figure out who you are, figure out what it is about you, and make the choices that work with your skill set and your strength zone and bring you happiness. Stop fighting it because then you're just going to be miserable. I love that. If I could share something with everybody that I haven't already said, through all of this, that's the thing that'll come to my mind to, to say, now, now go do. I love it. Chad, where can people find you? Oh, there's lots of places you can find me. Uh, the easiest one to find me is you can go to chadheims.com, right? So my last name is spelled H-Yams. I don't eat them. I don't like them. It's just how everybody can remember to spell my name. Chadheims.com. Because there you can find out uh, more about me and uh, my about. You can find out about the book on that website. You can find out about my other book for kids that I wrote. You can find out about uh, my coaching program, my speaking opportunities, if I'll be in a town near you sometime soon. So that's probably the easiest place. You could go right to achieveyourapex.com, which would take you right to the book page. You'd still be on the same website. So you could then poke around all of that if that one's easier to spell. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all the social medias. I'm Chad Himes. There's only one of me. My wife says, thank goodness for that. There's only one of me. So I didn't have to fight anybody to get my name. So Chad Himes on any of those platforms, you'll find me. Chad, I love it, man. Thanks for opening up and sharing with us today. My pleasure. I uh, look forward to hearing back from people that uh, this helped. They got something from it. I look forward to, to people sending me a message that the book impacted them. The whole reason I did it was to create an opportunity for people I don't get the chance right and to normally connect with to still get the same lessons and to know that there's someone out there who could help them if they're looking for it. So I hope this helps everybody and God bless everybody for taking the time listening to us. I love it. Thanks, Chad. I'll see you soon. Thanks. Hey guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you on the next one.